Room. Welcome to the Mancunian Union Candidates here on FabRadioInternational.com. With myself, Paul Ripley. And Mike Royce. Uh, and, uh, well, today we go over to America to our friend in the States uh, from Fox News Network, and it's Tom Anderson, who should be talking to us very soon. Can you hear us? Can you hear get my headphones on there, Mike? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, You're looking very professional in that corner. It's unusual for you. I don't like headphones. Why? Because I, I feel that I can't relax with them on, and I, I just feel better and it's an easier flow for me but I do realise I have to wear them when we're speaking to somebody that's phoning in oh ok just checking just, just <laughs> it's alright I've so not just suddenly you're, you're, you're professional when it's needed yeah when I have to be yeah when it's forced on me well, it's been a crazy week, and we, you know, last week, well, last week's show was a very special show. We won't talk about that at the moment. Uh, but in general, we'll talk about Brexit. Brexit's gone over the place. So a couple of words before we go to America. How do you see today going and this week going regarding now Labour have stepped in? Uh, or she's asked for Labour to get involved, finally, besides her own red lines. She's asking another party. Well, involved. what do you think's going to happen? It's pointless. It's absolutely bloody pointless. She now, no. She's decided she's done it so that she looks like she's being reasonable and she's trying to make an effort to pull this crap together. At the end of the day, she's not going to respect the will of those Labour MPs because if they had the, this vote the way that uh, it, it's... If, Labour, by the way, I've got to say, stand for a new referendum. So I don't understand why even though it's been passed with the NEC and our stance is that we want a people's vote on this, that Jeremy Corbyn is still saying that he's going to chat to her and insist upon a customs union. Well, a customs union isn't going to satiate the rabid mad dogs in the Tory party. That's because true. Because the, there is one fundamental fact about a customs union. The customs union does allow you to make some trades elsewhere, but... They negotiate the trade on your behalf. You can't just go and do a trade with another country, this this amazing big vista that they've painted of us, set sail on the good ship Great Britain, and we, we go to like olden new, days, isn't yeah, it? yeah, and trade yeah. with undiscovered India. countries and, and discover yeah, tea for the first perhaps. time. Yeah, this is the this is the crap you're dealing with. They, they, their head is in the era of beating, getting back the Falkland Islands, the Red Arrows, the, the, all this jingoistic nonsense that's passed us by and is no longer relevant. And this, what the problem is, is the customs union is not leaving the EU. If you're in the customs union, you're in the EU because they are negotiating these trade deals on your behalf and making sure that, that you don't enter into them. Over, because if so you break what's that, the point of leaving them? What's there the is, there's nothing, it's symbolic. It's symbolic, the whole thing's symbolic. I've been talking on this show for two years now about the the fanciful notion of sovereignty. We do not have sovereignty. We never had sovereignty. Sovereignty went away in the 1950s and 60s, and it's never going to come back. We can't put our interest rates high to attract investors because if we did, then we loans would be higher, we'd be out of sync with everywhere else. If we lowered interest rates to be more competitive against the UK, money would flow out and it'd go to the US or anywhere else that's got you know a better deal on interest rates the, for saving. So we have to follow global economics. So we've no sovereignty. One of that, no, let's go up to the United States, where I fear for the health of the president. And on the phones should be our man, our third Mancunian, Mr. Tom Anderson. Are you there, Tom? 
Hey, greetings and salutations, friends. How are you? Oh, we're all good. We're We're, still uh, still on the brink of oblivion with Brexit. Nothing's changed. uh, A couple of questions to ask you, really, Tom. Uh, I wonder what you thought of A, uh, no, no, A, the health of the new president, and B, the state of the UK regarding Brexit, what you're picking up from your side of the pond. When I say about your health, your healthy president, he doesn't seem to remember where his father was born. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, I, you know, I think that Donald Trump is very distracted. I think Donald Trump is very centered on business. And my presumption is that Donald Trump doesn't have a great memory on his family tree because it probably hasn't been super important to him. I'm not speaking on his behalf. I'm just saying from afar, that seems to me what the reason is for his not having recollection of certain details. I think his health is fine. I think that, in in fact, for his age, what is he, 72? He was born yeah. in, I think, 1946, June 1946. He's doing pretty well. Do, will he remember where the nuclear My, button is? I mean, that's another thing to think about. If you can't remember where your father was born, I mean, I know where my grandfather was born. Does he remember that if he closed down the border across Mexico, you're going to lose billions of dollars in trade? Does he remember that, do you think? (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I tell you what's interesting. You know, a bigger issue now is the the fact that he's retreating on health care. And I don't know if you've read the New York Times or looked at any of our larger newspapers, but he's backed off on plans to introduce a Republican replacement. Well, I thought Mitch McConnell, basically. Well, didn't Mitch McConnell sort of, I think, to paraphrase it, a British shirt, um, bollock him and say, no, you're not doing that because we don't have the votes to get it through and it's going to be a disaster? Yeah, no, correct. And so there's a reverse by Trump. Mitch McConnell's privately warning him that the Senate is not, U.S. Senate's not going to revisit health care in any comprehensive way before our November 2020 election. Sure. It, you know, I think, I think Trump is on. I also think, and I, I, I would hope you, you both agree and your listeners agree that certainly in American political standards, it's your, your, whether you call them suitors, advisors, kitchen cabinet, no president can handle all of the parameters. Now, I know Paul's going to come back and say even you're where your dad's born. No, I'm looking at it more macro. That, that I mean, I, I, he obviously has assistants and, and folks supporting him that, that, you know, he doesn't know everything on every topic. <laughs> and I doubt no, anybody no. in Britain does either. But he doesn't listen to enough people. That's the, the problem. I mean, I, I'm running a company, and it's not, it's not huge, but it's big enough. And I've got a lot of arms. I've got the leisure arm. We've got the media arm. We've got other things. We've got publishing. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. Now, when I, if I did what he did uh, and got myself involved in all these levels and all these arguments, we wouldn't get anything done here. I have to trust some people around me who have more knowledge than me when it comes to the actual process of the printing and the going up and it's uploading. Paul knows more about that than me. He handles some of the production process, and I, I just go, nope, I'm fine. When it comes to other issues, I'm, I'm right there. And 
he doesn't seem to listen to his advisors, and he's got so many that that are so um, well qualified. It surprises me. Yeah, I I think he does listen to them, and I think that when there's and this is my perspective when there's conflict and they're against his vision or maybe counter to his goals, then he says, "Hey, I'm going to have to let you go." And I, you know, we've seen that in our every all 50 states in the U.S. Of course, have a governor, and and I've seen that certainly in Alaska and in other states. You know, when there's an administration, commissioners, directors that that don't follow suit with the governor's prerogative and direction, too. So I don't think it's an anomaly. I would say that he probably had, and I don't know the numbers, I, I could try to politically spin it because I'm interviewing you kind of on the counter, you mm. know, supportive of Trump. But I would say that maybe he had more than, than what we've seen under Bush or Obama or Clinton for turnover in staff. But I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm it's sure he had that in the first week, didn't say. I think that's okay, but I mean, and we're, our economy's strong. You know, we're getting better in terms of my philosophy, better judges on the bet. You know, so, I mean, so yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, my narrative has often been with you. Okay, mm. that's all you have? That he doesn't remember where exactly his dad was born? And, and I teach you guys, but I kind of don't. Okay. No, so, the, so he doesn't the, the, agree the with Mitch McConnell on healthcare. I no, mean, no, no. No, they said there is a more, there is more, there is a very important value that need that's not being addressed, and that is this: the leader of your country needs to have a moral imperative. He has to be a person that young people can look up to. That's the whole idea of the whole idea of leadership. It's about passing on the morals and the judgments to the generation below. Sure, politics are going to be different. Sure, things are going to be skewed one way, private enterprise to interventionalism. You're never going to have presidents that consistently, when they're from Republican to Democrat, are going to have the same principles at all. But you have a standard of behaviour, and your president is supposed to be exhibiting a standard of behaviour. In the UK, if we have a Prime Minister, like now, she is doing an appalling job right now. She's one of the worst Prime Ministers. Theresa May will go down in history as one of the worst Prime Ministers of the UK. But one thing that will not happen is... She she doesn't actually do anything wrong or offensive. She's not caught in um, in she's not caught with some uh, male prostitute in the early hours of the morning. She's not been caught taking backhanders. She's not been accused even of anything. She's done nothing wrong. She's just inept at her job. But morally speaking, she is a fine woman. On uh, so I don't agree with her, her um, policies. Certainly, if my daughter looked to her and looked how she was behaving, I wouldn't be that shocked if if she thought, oh, well, she seems to be a a good, upstanding person. She does. She is. I just don't think his behaviour is good enough. I don't think that your son, Grayson, should be following his example uh, as as a person. He should be looking to you, and he does, which is great. But if he looks at Donald Trump, that's surely not a sort of person you would want him to grow up into. Well, so what I hear you saying is Theresa May's prim and properness and thoughtfulness is something that, at least in character, you you would not mind your daughter emulating. No. But you say Theresa May is one of the worst prime ministers yes. you've ever had. You look to Donald Trump and you say he has bravado. Mm. Uh, I've heard you guys say narcissism. He's too coarse, he Tom. He's too he coarse. memory problems. 
He's too coarse. The best presidents we've had in the last 50 years in terms of in terms of commerce, in terms of military, in terms of exploration, in terms of you know vetting out and reviewing and auditing uh, school districts and federal funding. And, and oil and gas exploration, Keystone, Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, I could go down the list, uh, being more hardlined with foreign countries that have abused America. Mm. But you say you don't like necessarily his character. Well, he's I mean, too, but he's a, he's a bully. He's a bully. You want to treat the May, you've someone got... that's very prim and proper, but sucks. As yeah, but you can have both, you know. You can have somebody that's great at the job and they, they've got charisma and they've got personality that and they're not well, rude. I haven't seen them yet in the U.S. Oh, we've had one with Tony Blair was well. He was a great, he was a good politician. He was he was well mannered. He was erudite. Yeah, but no, I oh. fair enough. And, I, and again, I, I think that you're going to see a shift. I think that that there are so many variables when it comes to measuring the effectiveness of a leader. And you mm. can look at Egypt. You can look in ancient Rome. You you can look at you know the the, the 1920s Europe. The 19 19- 40s Europe. I mean, what what a shift and what an ebb and flow of leadership in various countries. And I, I would venture to guess that Donald Trump will fall out as one of our better presidents because of because of the outcome. <coughs> Getting there is it, it, it's easy to say, hey, this guy. Um, said this wrong or, or embellished here or didn't know this here or maybe offended here. But, I mean, he is getting the job done. I almost look at him like a MacArthur. Remember our Douglas MacArthur mm. or our Patton? Mm. Uh, a lot of folks said that they had too much grit and that they were offensive at times or arrogant. But, I mean, they did get the job done, Patton in particular. Mm. And so I understand your, your point. But, I mean, we're past what's his character and the measure of, you know, would oh. my son follow him or not? I mean, it's... Well, no, because right we've, we've, got, we've got two... We've got children, and, um, and I just don't think... I, I think I'd rather them follow the example of somebody decent than somebody that, that's literally, oh, as good as confessed, everybody knows, he's been caught paying off hookers. One of which is suggested is for for an abortion, and I just think that 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 does matter. I do. Um, it, 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 you've got to say this: if if the world comes down to it that only money matters, then it's going to be a terribly empty place to live. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that, that it's it's a fair comment to say if the world comes down to money only matters it's going to be an empty world agreed i mean i don't think that's the narrative of the united states no he i think it's I really his don't. narrative i don't think it's the united states narrative at all when i'm over there i'm gobsmacked at the generosity and friendliness it's an amazing experience being over there but i mean you know that i support trump based i know on his commerce based on his military, based on his efficiencies, based on his accountability, even some moral installation platforms. And you've complimented me repeatedly, which I appreciate, saying, hey, Tom, I, you know, you're, you're a thoughtful guy. You seem like a virtuous guy. Your heart's in the right place. You mm. seem intelligent enough, cogent on responses, even if we disagree. I'd vote Do you think for I'm you. I'm the only one that supports Trump. Uh, you're right wing and I'd vote for you. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I get it. You're right wing and I would vote for you. 
which is, you know... Well, that... I'm not right-wing. I mean, I, th- well, I think that I'm right of centre. Yeah. Right-wing would be, I mean, on our, our on our spectrum and paradigm, for those listening, if they understand, you know, you have the hard left so, from socialism and Bernie Sanders and... and That's Alabama not hard left. That's not hard... Ha- Tom, 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 no, no, Tom, Tom, Tom. Tom, that's not a hard left. To the hard right. Listen, Tom, that's not a hard left, is it? Yeah, why, why are you categorising someone like that as hard left when you know hard left is Putin, etc.? The Chinese government, that's hard left. Your, your, your democratics aren't hard left. Socialism, socialism isn't hard left. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at it on a global standard, you would be correct. When you look at it in the U.S. standard, it's hard left for us based on our history. But I understand on a global scale, yeah, Putin, Venezuela, yeah. Syria, yeah. you know, China would be hard left. Yeah, so so you, you seem to, and this is a, the problem with, the, with I see, as, as your politics, you're blaming people for, and, and using words like extremism when you're talking about the Democrats. And in reality, it's not, is it? Uh, I would say extremism on the right side would be the KKK or something like that. Whereas you sort of default place is socialism is left, it's wrong, it's bad, we're worse than Russia. You know, it's absolute nonsense. And that's what's wrong with politics, isn't it? Because we we fight over nonsense and lies, and that's where Trump comes into it, because he pushes that narrative. And it's lies. You know it's lies, and I know it's lies. Well, I don't know it's lies. I mean, why are you yeah, speaking for me? Well, and I don't think no one said that. No one said that the, the socialism is evil in my world. We've talked about it many times. Try watching Fox News. A freelance writer. Try watching Fox said, News. What I said is that it's a dangerous path to go down when there's no inspiration, there's no accountability. And England isn't on the forefront, nor is any other country compared to the United States. I mean, today's the anniversary of the Marshall Plan. It was the United States who helped out, just like with the land lease plan. And you know what, what Churchill said about both. Wow, thank you. Hmm? This is huge. And very few have done that. Very few countries over the history of man and woman have done that. So, so when, when socialism is definitely an, a, a, a caustic undermining of, of the American system of free enterprise, is it evil? Of course not. I've never said that. Is, is communism worse? Of course. But but I think that socialism is far left on our spectrum. So, I mean, you know, but, but you're putting words in my mouth, Paul, saying, and I know you mean it respectfully, but saying, hey, you know, you guys think it's evil. I've never said that. I just don't think that it, it's wise to do that. It's very uninspirational. You, you make us a socialist society. I'm done with my firm. I'm done with my radio station. I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably move. I think so, it's very like you know, socialism. I think what what they're all going on about, even Bernie Saunders and and all the rest of them, they they're these so called progressive Democrats. They're suggesting universal health care and free education. I don't think that's going to ruin your business. I don't think it's going to ruin society. I don't think it's going to interfere with the American dream. I think it's just going to allow more people to take part in the American dream. Yeah, you may be right. I mean, you may be right to that end. Ultimately, um, I, I don't think so, though. I mean, I think that there's a lot of speculation. You know, if you look at the, the, the wealthiest, 
I am in agreement with you. When you look at the wealthiest, the Jeff Bezoses of the world, and the the you look at you look at the the folks that have so much money and so much power and so much control, that is where I'm not blindly allegiant. And 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 by the way, a lot of those hard, hard remember this, the Howard Schultzes, and he's not even super rich. The the owner of uh, of Facebook. Uh, Bezos, you go down the line, Warren Buffett, these are not Republicans. And mm. so keep that in mind, too. Mm. Bill Gates, are you joking, living in Medina outside of Seattle in the liberal mm. state of Washington? <clears throat> you know, the, the owners in Oregon, the owners, you know, there's so many. When I was in law school in Minnesota, uh, Purina, Land O'Lakes Butter, 3M, uh, Target. There are so many companies that are headquartered in Minneapolis. That's one of the most liberal states of all over 50. Literally, and yeah. and and those CEOs are liberal, and so the state of Washington, the state of Oregon, where there's a lot of the state of California, those are liberal. Those four are all liberal states, and so don't don't forget that these richest of the rich, the Jeff Bezos that own you know Amazon and own Washington Post, mm. the large newspaper publication in America, they're liberals, and mm. so it would be interesting to analyze who, what, where. But I'm with you. I'm with you, and I think any person, no different than we don't want to raise the the Amazon rainforest mm. or destroy Alaska mm. or destroy fishing ecosystems. Most people would say we don't want to see garbage in the ocean. Mm. We don't want to see so many rich people in a, in a sense of so many and so few that control the world. Mm. Uh, I think those are common sense building blocks on just government that's fair. So I'm with you. Mm. But but the question is how, how to make sure that those powerful people don't get so powerful that they hurt and harm others at the same time affecting the middle class. Mm. And that's what socialism does. It undermines the incentive, in my opinion, to have a, your own business and to try to build your, your, your own small household income because you have to share the wealth okay. too far. Well, I think it's, it's about degrees. I think that Fox News and all the, a lot of these pundits are scared of it being, say, universal health care. They're scared that's the thin end of the wedge. I would imagine that if everybody could be guaranteed that that form of socialisation is not going to go any further than that, we're just going to give everybody health care coverage and that's all we're going to do. We're not going to start nationalising industries, taking over the banks, doing anything crazy like uh, socialist countries sometimes do. They... We're just going to give everybody health care. I think that that would be okay. And I'll give you... You know, I've had an incident which wasn't great with my wife, and the within minutes, the ambulance was here. It was taken care of. Best medical care in the world. I haven't paid a penny, and I will never have to pay a penny. She didn't have to pay a penny. When we were in America, we were in Las Vegas, and she just got a... a a boil it just needed dealing with with addressing she made a phone call uh, she then uh, her insurance company told her that she could would have to go to a certain hospital she dro- then drove right out of the way to get to a hospital then when we got there we were co- we were just going to go and see the nurse and no we weren't allowed in we uh, there was a gateway person that was there with a credit card machine and a fax machine a fax machine of all things bloody hell you think we'd uh, got past that now but the they then waited and it was at half an hour before 
but they had to fax the insurance form and the insurance form came back. She sat down and they were very compassionate people, just the same as here, working on everybody, caring for everybody, looking after everybody. Yet the only difference is that person taking the cash to get you access to this. And then she sat down and she's dealt with, she got a simple dressing and that was it, and an ointment looked after, and then she was on her way. And the bill went into her insurance company for $5,000. And that's the difference. And that's why people are going bankrupt in your country over medical bills. And I just think that that needs sorting out. And I don't think that's socialism. I just think that's fair. I think that's turning the United States. It's, it's getting rid of the one few things that are not quite right. But let me tell you, you just gave a great example of apples to oranges, brother. You said that your wife was attacked. Yeah, I know the of course. story. Yeah. God, God bless her that yeah. she's doing better. But but you you said that they immediately came and assisted her. Yes. And the greatest health care in the world. You don't think that we have the same response for exigent circumstances? Then you said she had a boil or something skin yeah, related but, where she went in yeah. and it was and it was quite different. Of course. Those are apples to oranges. You don't think that we would We've have had the thing? same if it was the same way, if it was the same thing just to boil it, it was treatment, it would she would just be waiting for twenty yeah, minutes I mean, in the waiting room. Getting I, I know, but, but you still there's no money involved. There's no money involved though. And and yeah, but the they would come and then later on if she couldn't cover and there was deductibles or there were any other things, say that wasn't a uh, back in the day before you sorted out the pre-existing conditions. Imagine if part of this was seen because she had a fit when it happened that um, they said, well, we can't really treat it. It's a pre-existing condition. And she could have ended up with a bill of $50,000 or something crazy that she couldn't have paid and gone bankrupt. That, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not really that different. I mean, the circumstances are always going to be unique to any medical case, but you, the money doesn't come into it here, and it's taken care of, and it's, it's seen as a lot fairer. Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, that, that, that's a whole other narrative. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know. It's difficult to solve it. It is, but I just, I just want everybody in your country to be all right, you know. Yeah, no, I mean that's kind of it's a, it's a thoughtful gesture, and the notion is, I think, not only humanitarian but reasonable, reasonable, and yet someone has to pay for it, and yet medical bills, and I mean medical bills for a student, medical education bills, and insurance, and all the different elements weigh in. Good or bad, I'm not one to judge. Frustrating, absolutely. I pay 1200 a month for my son and I, and knock on wood, we're for the most part healthy and really haven't had to go into the hospital for anything, certainly not to the hospital, even to the doctor for anything, and for our primary care other than a checkup, and imagine that, 1200 a month. It's very expensive. But when you look at taxes and you look at fees and you look at the cost of services and then you look at people that are in office, someone like an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York City who's a congresswoman who was a bartender, and I'm not knocking bartending, but I am saying someone's had to live enough and, and, and experience enough to understand. I don't even know if she has kids uh, or owns a house. You went nearly half an hour without mentioning her. 
Well, but what I'm going to say is those may not be those may not be prerequisites to own a house. You have many listeners that may not own a house; they live in rent a flat. Whatever the case may be, but we want representatives that can feel our pain, that can understand, that can empathize, empathize. And I worry that she can't. And that is where, when you get into these, these these aspects of of any issue, you have to look at the the entirety of it. That said, when I look at military spending in the United States and the absolute waste, when I look at the absolute waste in healthcare and what I have to spend, I'm not countering what you're saying. I'm not just going to be a pro-Trump, pro-whatever the narrative is in opposition of you two on every single issue, and you know that. I think people listening would agree. I agree with you. Access to healthcare makes sense to me. You know, having a military that protects your borders but isn't so extravagant that it depletes the largesse, if there is any, of a country. I don't want that. I certainly don't want to pay taxes for, you know, a toilet that's a thousand bucks. No. So you've heard those nightmare stories yeah, of budget. Huh. So I'm with you. Is Trump so bad? No, I'm not with you there. Is Trump a paragon of virtue and the pastor-in-chief? Of course not. Has he made a big difference in America yet bringing back morale and momentum? Absolutely. Is he superior to Barack Obama in terms of a presidential leadership measure? Yes, in my opinion. Is he a better man? I'm not going to judge that. How do I know? I don't know. I say it's different a bit about the politics. It's aside. I, mean, I just think if I was going to choose a role model between Obama and him, I'd probably go with Obama because he's he's more eloquent. But I agree that you would probably say he he a lot of that is an act, whereas Trump is at least being honest. Well, the other thing is remember where you both live. Remember the history. When we talk about America the beautiful, it's only been around a few hundred years. And it was because of taxes that we got pissed off at your country, England. You know the history. <laughs> oh, yeah. England's been around a lot longer. Mm. So, I mean, we have different. We have a different genesis, per se. And, and <laughs> you know, you have what's called, I've been watching Game of Thrones. I mean, mm. it reminds me of England in some respects. Oh, we yeah. We haven't had that in the United States. Yeah, so, I you're mean, right. That's true. If we come from different backgrounds, doesn't mean you're right or wrong, but um, we just do. Well, and so th- there's a different perspective. That's probably where our arrogance comes in, and I have to probably put a governor on that to slow it down. Mm. But but I will tell you that, that that's where we have the spirit of, you know, we're protecting other people. And you guys, of course, now we're getting into rabbit trails, so I know we got to cut it short. But you could say, what are you doing in Syria? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Well, I mean, thank God we're at least trying to figure out how we can help. Sometimes it's monetary-based, too, of course, because there's greedy people in all nations. But, I mean, I look at Venezuela. Um, in, in England and the United States are almost always in sync in, in humanitarian efforts. But, I mean, I don't think the United States is that far off. And I'll bet you most of your listeners, if they can get dual citizenship or completely move to the United States, they, they may not be honest publicly. But internally, I bet they'd move. No. If they could pick their state, no. I bet they would move no. to America. No. So, I'm sorry, Tommy, you're wrong on that one. <laughs> See, at the moment, I'd, I'd be go for two. Like a nightmare. No, no. <laughs> Tom, as always, we thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you in a few weeks' time, and we'll talk about Brexit. Then, if it's okay with you. We, we do appreciate it. Uh, um, wonderful. Yeah, and keep your chin up. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week, a oh, couple of weeks. Hey, it's gone. Um, the, the wonderful Tom Manson. Um, right, let's have a short break. 
As you know, every week we play some tracks from our team which go out and record artists around the Manchester area. And this is um, a wonderful track by Joe Rose, recorded, uh, like I say, by our team here at Fab Radio. Welcome over to the window, my little darling I'd like to try to read your palm I used to think I was some kind of gypsy boy Well, you know that I love to live with you But you make me forget so very much I forget to pray
It's time that we begin to laugh and cry and cry. Uh, love the track, Joe Rose. Right, we've got ten minutes left. Actually, eight minutes left. We're going to talk about Brexit, and then we've got this little clip to play. Okay, uh, so we've got eight minutes to fix Brexit, have we? Well, we have. Uh, it's you last, up to that, are you? It's the last word from MSNBC in this clip, of fifteen minutes long, uh, about Donald Trump and. It's strange and confusing day, and, and it's a long it's one. So but good. I think it's important because the, what we were discussing today, and it puts a lot of stuff in context. Where what is a mistake, and how much is part of his personality, and how much is part of him just lying constantly? And is he losing the plot? Is he losing the plot? All the family history of it. So maybe this will shed a bit of light on that. So eight minutes. Let's start up Brexit. Brexit, right? Um, let's tell people where we stand at the moment. For at people, the moment, for people we... who don't quite follow okay. it, are six and a half are confused. Oh by gosh, it. Like me, right. So, so we have a parliamentary system which is first past the post. So you elect a bunch of MPs, and the largest one of it, majority. Uh, gets to form the government. We have a hung parliament that is supported by, so the Tories, the Conservative Party have the largest amount of seats and they are supported by the DUP, the Ulster they're a bunch of unionists in, uh, that want to keep the union of, Uni- of uh, Ireland um, uh, Northern Ireland within the United Kingdom and they have been given a bung by Theresa May, our Prime Minister uh, where, to form a government so they took some money that they used for Northern Ireland and said yes we'll support you now so they're propping her up but even that it's not enough she cannot pass the policy we voted on a non-binding referendum that was binary, ridiculously binary. In most countries, this would have a 60% to 40% ratio. So if you voted on a binary, do we stay or do we go? Do we stay in the, in the European Union or leave? You would, have, you, would have a, you would have to achieve 60%. So this was a very close run thing and it ended up for 52% to 48%. So we now have a situation where I, I, and a lot of people didn't vote so it's still a minority of the people in the United Kingdom it's not the major, majority voted to leave and now we're trying to do it and all the MPs whose constituents they represent they don't want to just leave the EU some of them do want them. There's a bunch... Uh, the the Conservative Party have always had a bunch of about 60 or 70 backbenchers that have always been totally anti-Europe and at the first opportunity would vote to leave. They're making it impossible for Theresa May to come up with a suggestion. Now, one thing is certain. Nobody wants to leave the EU without a deal because it would be commercial suicide for this country. It would damage the country, the currency would plummet, our economy would be damaged and lots and lots of um, companies that operate here, that have their head offices here, would be legally forced to shift their head office and operations into Europe. That's well explained. We've got three minutes left to say what's going to happen 
what's going to happen yeah. is they're going to have an argument and fall out. It, this Today. is going to end up yeah. with a general election because there is no way that anything can come of this. The Tory party is split. They're split down the middle. Half of them want to stay in the EU and half of them want to leave. And that means that you cannot have a clear vote. You can't get a majority in the House of Commons for any possible form of leaving the EU. You won't get a majority for just leaving with no deal. That's absolutely out of the question because half of the Tory party will vote to say no, that's damaging, and Labour will say that. Labour's, Labour's position is being distorted by Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, the Labour NEC, the National Executive Committee, said that we want a referendum and he keeps saying, oh, no, I just want to be part of the uh, customs union. Well, if you're in the customs union, the, custom, the um, Brussels have to oversee your trade agreements with other countries outside the bloc and they have to deal with you so you're still part of Europe only you don't have a say so you can understand why both parties you have hit an impasse parliament cannot function how it is there is no clear majority they are split down the middle to the point where you cannot vote on any form of leaving without you've got to have a general election now you, you, there's no way of fixing this without a general election. And nobody wants a general election in that House because loads of them have decided to spit the dummy out and form an independent group and they're going to get deselected and they'll be oblivion if there's a general election. And, and Labour are leading in the polls as well for a semi-long time, yeah, about no. 5%. So, so uh, and I'm not being funny, but if Jeremy Corbyn gets in as Prime Minister for Labour and he's the leader of my party, I think we'll be in power for one term. And I, and I don't think we'll be ever in power again because I don't trust him as Prime Minister. And on that note, we'll go. I will leave you this clip. This is from, like I say, about Donald Trump from MSNBC. And we'll see you next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading on our podcast. Uh, leave us a review. Five yeah, stars. Five stars, yeah. Some of the ones please, we like. Please. We love collecting that. We'd love that. To cover what the President of the United States did and said publicly today. It's an extraordinary day, and it's a difficult day to find the right approach to what happened in the Trump presidency today. Our first approach to the Trump news today, even a few hours ago, was to do what we usually do, which is deal with the policy and political implications of a series of comments the president made today that no other president or politician would ever say or do, like threatening to close our southern border, something that the Republican leader of the Senate says would be catastrophic economically, something that would shut down, I mean shut down, the American automobile manufacturing industry, and yes, something that would mean the United States would run out of guacamole in three weeks, literally three weeks. That's the official calculation on what Mexico's avocado supply means to the United States. But things got stranger than usual with the president today. He said things for which there is no easy explanation. He said his father wasn't born in the United States. His father was born in New York. Usually with a Trump lie, you can easily figure out what he's trying to accomplish with the lie, but not today. The president struggled to pronounce a very simple word, and he repeatedly could not do it. What does that mean? We have grown accustomed to the vagaries and strangeness of Donald Trump's public behavior, but this was a day where the strangest strangeness dominated, both the strangeness of the policy positions and the strangeness of the president's public behavior and public words. And in his final comments, public comments of the day, he said this tonight 
at a Republican fundraiser in Washington. If you had a normal president, I don't want to say that negatively, I think I'm very normal, but if you had a normal, you know what I mean. In other words, if you had a stiff as president, which most of them are, I hate to say. How often do you hear a normal person say, I think I'm very normal? Have you ever heard a president of the United States feel compelled to publicly announce, I think I'm very normal? Does that mean he knows he's not normal? There are a bunch of important questions, urgent questions about the president today that political analysis cannot answer. Political expertise cannot answer some of these questions. And that's why, along with our political analysts tonight, we're going to be joined by a psychiatrist in our leadoff discussion of what the president did and said today. Donald Trump is a 72-year-old man whose father had Alzheimer's and died in New York 93 years after he was born in New York. And today, Donald Trump said this about his father, Fred Trump, whose picture the president keeps right behind his desk in the Oval Office. My father is German, right? Was German. And uh, born in a, a very wonderful place in Germany, and so I have a great feeling for Germany. A wonderful place in Germany. What place? His father was born in New York, just like Donald Trump. Donald Trump's grandfather was born in Germany. What does it mean when you confuse where your father was born with where your grandfather was born? My father was born in Boston, my grandfather was born in Ireland, and I have never once confused that. But then I'm not 72 years old, I don't have Alzheimer's in my family history, and I'm not the President of the United States trying to convince NATO that I'm not just being mean when I ask NATO countries to spend more money on their military. That's what Donald Trump was actually talking about today when he said that his father was born in Germany. He repeatedly said that the United States spends much more on defense than we actually do. And that is the kind of Trump falsehood that we probably wouldn't even mention tonight. But in any other presidency, that would actually be the hot news of the day. The president doesn't even know how much money we spend on defense. That would be big news in any other presidency. Watching the president today, you had a right to wonder whether the president simply likes to exaggerate how much we spend on defense or actually cannot learn the real number of what we spend on defense. You had a right to wonder today if there's something wrong with the workings of the president's mind, especially if you watched him repeatedly struggle to say the word origin. What kept coming out was something that sounded like oranges. And I hope that this investigation now, which is finished, it's totally finished, no collusion, no obstruction. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, the beginnings of that investigation. You look at the origin of the investigation, where it started, how it started, who started it, whether it's McCabe or Comey or a lot of them. Where does it go? How high up in the White House did it go? You will all get Pulitzer Prizes, okay? You're going to all get Pulitzer Prizes. Uh, you should have looked at it a long time ago. And that's the only thing that's disappointing to me about the Mueller report. The Mueller report, I wish, covered the oranges, how it started, the beginnings of the investigation, how it started.
He said oranges twice. Then he successfully said the word origin, which apparently gave him the confidence to try to say it one more time. And when he tried to say it one more time, he said oranges again. I don't know what that is. I have my own struggle with words. You see that here, but it's simply a struggle to suppress my native Boston accent in favor of speaking American. It's not that I try to say a very simple word and I can only get out the first two letters before I change that simple word into a completely different word repeatedly. What is that? What was happening to the president of the United States today? The president recently decided to order his Justice Department to switch sides in a legal case from defending the Affordable Care Act in court, as the Justice Department is supposed to do with all federal laws, to opposing the Affordable Care Act in court, which is an unprecedented position taken by the Trump Justice Department. The president did that against the wishes of the top Republican in Congress, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. It is a politically disastrous position for the president to take, as Mitch McConnell knows, and as every Republican in Congress knows, but the president did it anyway. In any other politician, if any other politician did that, we would be questioning his or her neurological health tonight. That's how politically crazy that is. But we've grown accustomed to that with Donald Trump. The president has been pretending that he has a health care plan ready to pass and be signed into law as soon as the Supreme Court strikes down Obamacare. But no one believes that. And today, Mitch McConnell said he finally got the president to stop saying that. Is there a difference between you, President, on what he wants to do on health care and where you see the health care debate stands in the standing room? Yeah, not, not any longer. Uh, we had a good conversation yesterday afternoon, and I pointed out to him uh, the Senate Republicans' view on uh, dealing with comprehensive health care reform with a Democratic House of Representatives. So I made it clear to him we were not going to be doing that in the Senate, so we don't have a misunderstanding about that. Uh, we'll not be doing uh, comprehensive in the Senate. And minutes after Mitch McConnell said that, Donald Trump said this. Did Mitch McConnell No, I wanted to delay it myself. I want to put it after the election because we don't have the House so even though the health care is good, really good, it's much better than when the plan comes out, which we'll be showing you at the appropriate time. It's much better than Obamacare. So when the plan comes out, you'll see it. It's much better than Obamacare. It doesn't exist, but it's much better than Obamacare. Not a word of the Trump health care plan exists anywhere, not on a notepad, pad, nowhere, but it's much better than Obamacare. What do you call that? There is a political discussion to be had about this, and there is a psychiatric discussion to be had about this. And that is why we are leading off our discussion tonight with Dr. Prudence Gorgashan, a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst and past president of the American Psychoanalytic Association. Also with us, Ron Klain, a former senior aide to President Obama and former chief counsel to the Senate Judiciary Committee. He knows the workings of the White House and the Senate and knows the kind of dynamics that go on between Mitch McConnell and President Trump in a situation 
situation like this. And Adam Gentleson is with us. He's the former deputy chief of staff to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. He knows the workings of Mitch McConnell's mind on these matters very well. He's joined us before on this subject. But, Doctor, I, I want to start with you. This is one of those days, as every day is, but this is, this is the day where it just became overwhelming, where in watching the president, uh, it became imperative that we once again uh, check in on a psychiatric view of what it is we're watching when we're watching Donald Trump in these situations. Well, I feel like you asked me here kind of on a house call tonight. Um, uh, it was a very strange day, uh, even for Donald Trump. Um, I think what he'll say tomorrow, I, I predict, is that he meant to say his grandfather was born in Germany. Um, he was clearly struggling to find, to kind of locate his thoughts and his memories. And um, he'll he'll get it, he'll... He'll just uh, segue out of that by saying he meant his grandfather. The, the word-finding problem, I didn't hear him saying oranges. To me, he had the first two syllables of the word, and he couldn't remember the end of it. That's what it sounded like to me. And then he substituted beginning and the start of, and then he wanted to go back to it. So, yeah, is there... I can't do a neurologic exam just watching the the tape today, if he were a normal leader, to use his phrase, he would seek uh, an evaluation. If he were CEO of a big company and he found himself forgetting words or making mistakes like grandfather and father, conflating them, he'd seek a neurologic, uh, neuropsychiatric evaluation and willingly, eagerly, to see if he was having cognitive difficulties. But I don't think he'll do that. And, and doctor, when you see him tonight uh, standing up there in front of an audience after a day like today or any day, uh, saying things like, I'm perfectly normal. I think I'm perfectly normal. In your experience, and I'm not saying it, I don't mean Donald Trump uh, particularly, since you have no experience with him, but in your clinical experience in dealing with people and the way they talk about themselves, uh, does that kind of comment uh, about oneself uh, tell us anything about that person? Well, we have a concept called the unprovoked denial. So, you know, <laughs> if you say, I am not a liar, uh, and nobody asked you if you were, you wonder why the person is bringing it up. So it's it comes under the heading of unprovoked denial, and it's you know it's kind of like okay, well, I didn't ask you if you were normal, so why is it on your mind? He clearly sounded very very stressed and anxious today, and if anybody with uh, is going to have more. Um, with the slightest bit of difficulty cognitively, just in general, if they're under a lot of stress, it's going to show itself. If there's a tiny bit, a mild cognitive difficulty, you're going to see a lot more of it in a stressful situation. Uh, the unprovoked denial. I've just written it down. And Ron yeah. Klain, I think that's going to be a graphic that you will be seeing describing other segments we will be doing on this show in the future. The, the unprovoked denial. Uh, your reaction to what Ron Klain, to what you saw the president doing today? Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor and I can't diagnose it. But what I can say is, as someone who's watched this for two years and seen a lot of uh, craziness come out of the Oval Office, today was like the Beethoven's fifth of craziness from Donald Trump. It was just an endless 
array of ridiculous things. The things you showed, obviously, at the top of the show, Lawrence, but also the president announced that we could uh, solve the border problem if we could just get rid of judges. He announced <laughs> that, um, you know, he, he announced that basically he set up a task force to deal with the problem that his task force that's going to shut the border is going to create. He uh, announced that he has a health care plan, except that he doesn't, except that he would have one, except that Mitch McConnell asked him not to, except that he's going to have one after the election. I mean, you know, it, it was just, it really was, uh, you know, in, in a in an administration where every single day looks like this, this is really one of the most notable days of exceptional nuttiness coming from the White House. Adam Geraldson, I think uh, you and I and, and Ron, certainly, we, we first look at all these things politically. We look at them in terms of uh, a governing analysis and political analysis. But today was a day where uh, I, I had to surrender the political analysis. That's why I wanted the doctor on. Uh, but, but to stick with the political analysis, the president starts, turns the Justice Department around and says, I want you to attack uh, the Affordable Care Act in court. Uh, Mitch McConnell thinks that's a disastrous thing for the president to do. Uh, and that is something that if any, just that alone, if any other White House was doing that, everyone in Washington would be using the word crazy about that White House. Yeah, that's right. You, you won't hear me say this very often, but I agree with Mitch McConnell. It's an insane thing to do. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, I mean, the, the president was having a decent run of positive news. And then by ordering the Justice Department to do this, he put um, the news squarely in Democrats' turf. I mean, health care is the single most motivating issue to Democrats. It's an issue we uh, used very strongly to uh, take back the House in 2018. Um, and it's it's just inexplicable for the president to put it back uh, in enemy territory like this. It just doesn't make any sense at all. And, and, Doctor, I wanted to ask you one more thing about the president. And this is something that's Republican Senator Lamar Alexander uh, said about the president thinking and he was intending to compliment him. He said even people who don't like him when they are with him are impressed with how easily he works a room. I think he likes people. He lives in the moment. He's not thinking of the next day or even the next hour or the next person. He's that kind of personality. Doctor, what kind of personality is that? Well, I'm not sure I, I totally agree with that. Um, I'd, I'd throw the situation back to the political side because, again, as I said earlier, he seems extremely stressed. None of us functions, whatever our functional level is, whatever our best functional level is, none of us fun is, is there all the time. So if you see somebody slipping from their usual level, that indicates they're under a lot of stress and tension. And I wonder if there's some political... Uh, uh, tension going on that makes him uh, look particularly vulnerable and scattered today. Um, does he live in the moment? I think he's constantly strategizing to figure out how to uh, to uh, make himself look good. And so I don't know if I'd uh, agree with Senator Alexander. Um, All right, we, we're going to have to leave it there. We have a commercial break coming up. Dr. Prudence, Gorgashan, Ron Klain, Adam Gentleson, thank you all for starting off our discussion tonight. Thanks.